0: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in
1: Tuscaloosa. I do. How much of your time was spent and how much was it invested in your goal? Can't do it unless you can overcome adversity because that's what makes great things great That can't affect the next play. That's breaking you. Your frustration is breaking you. What does it take to break you? We should help others. We should serve other people all the time. You cannot be a leader and affect other people if you're not willing to serve other people. Think of our lives as every day, we should appreciate the opportunity that we have to accomplish and affect something. Earn this. Everybody made all these sacrifices for you to live. Go live a good life. Be a good father. Help other people. Accomplish something of significance. Make a difference. That would be my message to everybody here. Make a difference and help everybody's spirit in a positive way. God
2: bless you and roll tight Jay Barker brings that same championship quality and football expertise to his own radio network and show. Joining him is Lars Anderson, New York Times bestselling author, 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated, and professor at the University of Alabama. Live from the AVX studios in Birmingham, Alabama, The Jay Barker Show. questions for Coach
3: David, please press one zero on your telephone keypad now. Hey, Coach, while I wait on any questions, if you could please take a moment to comment on your team
4: as you enter Saturday's game versus Texas A&M.
5: Yeah, well, you know this is another big SEC, you know, matchup for us in our division. Texas A&M's got a really, really good team. Um, they got some explosive players on offense, running back, wide receiver. Um, defense is one of the best defenses in the league. Um very physical play very tough um so this is going to be a very challenging game for us uh, and i'm sure that everybody wants an update on bryce so i'm going to give it to you um he's doing some things in practice and he's still listed as day to day and no decision is going to be made until he decides and we decide from a medical staff standpoint you know whether um he, he he can go out there and functionally do his job. First, up. first up.
4: Welcome to the Jay Barker Radio Show. I'm Lars Anderson. Jay is off. Matt Coulter is on assignment, but he's going to be with us second hour. Here in the first hour to get us going is Roger Hoover joining us right out of the gate from uh, the from crimson tide sports network roger how are you doing today and your reaction to uh, coach saban's comments this morning on the teleconference just saying that bryce young is uh, still day to day uh that can't be a shock to anyone that uh, a football coach is not revealing key injury information <laughs> about the most important player on their team is it roger
6: how you doing Hey, Lars, doing really well. It's great to be with you. And yeah, that update we heard from Coach Saban on the teleconference this morning is about what we expected. And, you know, for fans that are thinking about, you know, Bryce's availability for Saturday, just remember he did warm up prior to the start of the second half and was on the sideline the entire second half. So uh, I imagine it's just going to be seeing how Bryce feels, you know, throughout the week as Coach Saban says day-to-day, you know, Tuesday may feel differently than Wednesday, feels differently than Thursday and Friday. So we're just going to really have to see what his uh, pain tolerance is going to be uh, leading into Saturday. And I imagine he would go through pregame warmups and it truly will be a game time decision based on how he feels like getting ready right before the ball game. So, uh, no real surprise from Coach statement about uh, what he said about Bryce's availability for Saturday is still being day to day, and I think fans should be encouraged that if indeed Bryce is unable to go on Saturday, you have somebody in Jalen Milrow that was thrown into the fire against Arkansas on the road, even with a 14 nothing lead, was able to turn that into a 28 nothing lead, and then when everything went against Milrow and the Crimson Tide in the third quarter. He came out, had the play to this point of the season on that long run that helped set up uh, Alabama's touchdown that made it a larger lead from what had been 28-23. Then you go up 35-23, uh, to 23, and then the Crimson Tide put the game away after that. So uh, it's definitely a situation worth monitoring as we get ready for Saturday, but uh, it sounds like the Crimson Tide are in pretty good shape uh, regardless who takes snaps on Saturday.
4: Roger, uh, I, you raised a number of really good points, but first, did you actually see, uh, um, see him warming up on the sideline uh, at, at, at halftime of, of the game, and were you down there close to him, did he look to have the same kind of zip on the ball, and we're talking about Bryce Young, of course, uh, at, at halftime of the Arkansas game, did he look like he could have gone back in if needed?
6: Well, Coach Saban said that he didn't have quite the same amount of steam on the ball. I was already back up in the press box uh, at that point uh, after interviewing Coach Saban at halftime uh, for the radio network. But uh, he was able to go through some normal throws. But as Coach Saban said, this is his words not mine. just didn't have the same kind of steam on the ball that maybe he normally would have had. So that's why they didn't uh, force him back into the ball game on Saturday. Now a few days rest. Uh, I imagine that's a different story, and again, that's part of the progress that Bryce has to make throughout the week. Is you know see how the theme on his throws are and the zip on the football is uh, from one day to the next, because he could look good one day and then the next day uh, he, the AC joint could still be uh, working its way back and still could limit uh, the velocity we're used to seeing from Bryce, because he throws about as hard of a football as anybody, and I think uh, that's a really good thing about his game and as part of what's made him successful. So there. Would be no reason to play him if he doesn't have you know the, quite the same physical skill set that we've seen throughout what's been already a brilliant career at Alabama, and we hope will be one for a very long time.
4: Talking to Roger Hoover of the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Roger, uh, the other thing you said that was interesting was that, uh, in your mind, the Jalen Milrow 77-yard uh, breakaway run uh, in the third quarter there was—I'm uh, or I'm sorry, the fourth quarter— I think it was the third, fourth quarter. But anyway, it was the play of the season so far because Alabama had built a 28-0 lead. Uh, Arkansas cuts that to 28-23. Before that run, did it feel in the stadium like this could be slipping away from Alabama? And then that run, as you said, to you, is the, the play of the year so far for Alabama. Did that that changed the entire uh, nature and, and ebb and flow of the game?
6: I really think it did because there was a lot of belief in that stadium and Arkansas provided an outstanding uh, fan atmosphere on Saturday. Even though it was funny, there were a couple sections in the upper deck of maybe some students that had left early uh, before Alabama, before Arkansas had started to come back a little bit like they did in the third quarter. I mean, it was as loud as Alabama's been uh, anywhere this season. Obviously the only other comparison is Texas, but I thought it was a louder. Atmosphere in Arkansas, even with fewer fans than what we saw earlier in the season at Texas. So uh, you know the Razorbacks had a lot of belief, and uh, all of a sudden you're starting to feel like. Could this be one of those games where just uh, everything goes against Alabama in the second half? You know, you had flashbacks to uh, the Cam Newton comeback in the Iron Bowl in 2010 when Alabama had been up 24 nothing. seemed like there would be no way they would lose that game. And then all of a sudden Auburn was able to win. And then, you know, Alabama had its starting quarterback go out in that game. Greg McElroy went out with injury. A.J. McCarron finished the game. So it kind of had deja vu a little bit. <laughs> coming up in that game on Saturday, but then Jalen is able to get free and show that he's one of the fastest players on the Alabama Crimson side roster uh, with that 77-yard run. And I saw it live that he had scored. Uh, you know, just went out of bounds at the two-yard line and was able to uh, finish it off with a touchdown quickly afterwards, but it certainly felt like to me that that was the momentum swing that Alabama needed because once you get that touchdown, no longer is it a five-point margin. You go back up by 12 points and this the defense played so well after that as well it's not just the offense got kind of a lift by what Jalen was able to do with his legs I think the defense played with a lot more belief after that and it just kind of got the monkey off everybody's back it seemed like that okay this is not going to be an epic collapse this is not going to be you know what's been the trend recently of close road games for Alabama it kind of seemed like that was the play that said nope we've got that out of our system we're going to be the dominant crimson tide from here on out so that's why to me it felt like such a monumental play not just in the Arkansas game, but maybe in the course of whatever this season turns out to be.
4: Yeah. You know, I, I'm with you. I, I thought he had scored and uh, it just would have made it, uh, you know, a, tying a, a, a bow uh, on, on, on the ribbon, so to speak, uh, uh, just would have made it a little more poetic if he would have got it into the That's end zone right. would have made the highlight just a little more spectacular, but, but, if let's look at the schedule here, and, uh, and look, Alabama—they're about to enter into the meat of the SEC West schedule. Obviously, A&M uh, coming up here on Saturday, and but the luster of this game, frankly, uh, it has been lost a little bit nationally because A&M has lost two of their first five games. I mean, I know that that's not the case here locally and throughout the state and throughout the SEC. But but after this, after the A and M game, I mean, I know you're familiar with the schedule, but Alabama's going to have to travel to Knoxville to face current number eight Tennessee, which is oh by the way, averaging forty eight point five points a game. Uh, Tennessee to me is the biggest surprise in the SEC so far. But then after that, number three twenty, number twenty three Mississippi State, number twenty five LSU, and then number nine Ole Miss all await. Do you think it would make sense to, if Bryce isn't 100%, to at least start Milrow and have Bryce, if available, he could come in, but in an ideal situation, you would like him to rest this week?
6: I think that's you know best determined by Coach Saban, the medical staff, and in that decision. Uh, I see definitely what you're saying because this is a brutal stretch of the season coming up. Uh, you mentioned the Texas a even though uh, the luster's been lost a little bit nationally. Uh, we know they're going to give Alabama its best shot. We know that Jimbo knows so much about Coach Saban's system. Coach Saban knows a lot about his system. Uh, it's always entertaining when these two teams get together. Uh, I think the Tennessee trip will be very, very tough, regardless of if Tennessee wins or loses this Saturday against LSU. I don't think even if the Vols lose to LSU and Baton Rouge coming up on Saturday, you know that they're still going to give Alabama a great hostile environment uh, coming up the next week. And then I think the toughest part of all this, Lars, is the fact that you know normally Alabama plays Tennessee and then has a bye week afterwards. Because the Tennessee game, even though Alabama's won every matchup against the Vols in the Saban era, it's still a huge rivalry, one that matters a lot players coaching staff and the fans so there's always you know that bye week it seems like after the tennessee game to kind of take a deep breath get ready for lsu the next week afterwards well the schedule is different this season now you have to come home to take on uh mississippi state and even though alabama's played mississippi state really well in the first couple years mike leach era uh he's got his best team it looks like in starkville this season so with a quarterback that really knows how to run this offense uh, i think you know even if say Alabama gets a tight you know win at Tennessee or even say they blow Tennessee out and everything goes up perfectly in that ball game you're going to come back home and you're going to still have a really tough physical team that you got to play against the next week before you get that open date, and then you have those back-to-back road games like you mentioned against LSU and Ole Miss so I, I think it's a really tricky part of the schedule because you know already you've had the road trip to Arkansas home against AM and then uh, at Tennessee, and then there's no chance to take a deep breath after that game because you have a high-powered offense coming to town the next Saturday. So That's why this part of the schedule is really the most critical for the Crimson Tide to see how they navigate these next few weeks. And then even after the open date, you've got two teams that I think are going to keep winning in LSU and Old Miss as we get closer to those games.
4: All right, final question, Roger. Just real quick, give us your assessment of Jalen Milroe. And uh, was he about what you expected in in the game against Arkansas?
6: Yeah, he really was. And uh, maybe he didn't pass as much as I expected, uh, but obviously the playbook changes a little bit going from Bryce Young to him. I'd be interested to see, say, if Bryce were unavailable, if they would have the same type of balance, or if Jalen would have a chance to uh, run more of a Bryce Young-style playbook throwing the ball downfield, not relying on his feet as much. I would be interested to see that, but uh, he looked very poised. Uh, You know, he didn't make any, you know, Truly horrific mistakes or anything like that that can happen. Sometimes the players are thrown into the fire for the first time uh, for an injury. You know, it's a different deal when you come in uh, in an injury situation versus say you have a big lead against Utah State or ULM or Vanderbilt. Here you are coming in and getting some playing time in the second half in Tuscaloosa at Bryant Denny Stadium where everything's familiar. It's a much different story when you're doing it on the road in the first half in a hostile environment like you did against Arkansas. Uh, and again, the lead was only fourteen nothing when he came in. So it was still not quite at that 28 nothing feeling that we had later in the first half. So uh, for him to do that was really impressive. And then just his speed, uh, the fact that he was able to run as quick as he was, you know, we had seen some flashes of it in some earlier games this season, but I don't think we quite knew how fast. And, uh, you know, on one of our shows this week, Crimson Drive, driven by NASCAR, I had an interview with Will Anderson Jr. And I was like, it even tough for you to tackle. He said, yeah, it's very hard to wrap him up and bring him down, and that's the best piece the player in college football, saying that, Will Anderson Jr. So uh, that gives you an idea of his skill set, and uh, I think Alabama is in really good hands whenever he has to enter a game. Hopefully, Bryce is able to come back as soon as possible and be as healthy as can be. But uh, Jalen Milrow was really, really impressive from what I saw Saturday, and I have no doubt that's going to continue, regardless of what his role is going to be moving forward.
4: That is Roger Hoover of the Crimson Tide Sports Network and who has as bright a future as anyone in broadcasting in this state, in my view. Roger, thank you so much and enjoy the game on Saturday and uh, we'll see what happens.
6: We'll see what happens, Lars. Thank you for having me on. I always enjoy it. I look forward to chatting. See you again next week. Thank you.
4: All right, thank you, Roger. All right, this is Jay Barker Radio Show. I'm Lars Anderson. We'll be right back with the one and the only Tim Brando. Hit me up on Twitter if you want me to ask. If you have any questions, you want me to ask Brando. I'm at LarsAnderson71. At LarsAnderson71. Or if you just want to tell me uh, exactly how you feel about me, uh, you can do that too. All right, we'll be right back.
2: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham.
7: You know what happens in a plasma chamber? Big stuff. Science stuff. Diamonds. I'm Tom Osmond, Fincher and Osmond Jewelers carry...
3: Sunny and warm this afternoon. The daytime high 80 degrees. Tonight, clear with an overnight low of 48. More the same for your Thursday sunshine with a high of 81. I am meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 78 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
4: Welcome back in to the Jay Barker Radio Show. I'm Lars Anderson. And for the first time in... uh, four plus years doing the show I'm flying solo and now we have Tim Brando national sports commentator of Fox sports but we all know Timmy B Tim I need some personal advice when was the first time going back in your career when you did a radio show by yourself and how did it go and what advice can you give me to get through these next hour and 45 minutes
0: Well, you're well on your way. Okay. I think you've actually cleft this course by getting uh, guests that like to talk, like me. So you got the human landfill here. So I should, uh, (laughs) having me on as as a guest is a little like being a DJ and putting on Stairway to Heaven. You can ask a question, go to the bathroom, come back. I still haven't completely answered you. So (laughs) (laughs) you're well on your way. Uh, You know, and I I guess, um, well, I was doing rock and roll radio when I was a senior in high school the summer of my senior year uh, before going to Northeast, now ULM. Um, But that was with music, okay? So uh, I guess uh, my first uh, talk shows, I had the first ever, uh, in Baton Rouge, uh, people can blame me for this. They did not have a daily sports talk radio show in Baton Rouge until 1979 when I came there. So um, I, I went there with intentions, and uh, I wasn't—I was gonna—I was gonna do a lot of different things, obviously. But uh, I talked my my uh, general manager slash owner. It was you know, radio was mom and pop back then. People, individuals owned radio stations, not conglomerates. And I convinced my owner slash general manager to give me an hour of uh, sports talk and let me do high school football uh, because I wanted to keep doing play-by-play until such time as I hit it, you know, uh, in, in uh, either radio or television as a play-by-play guy. So to convince him to do all that uh, was probably my best uh, attribute at that time. But if I was going to do it, I certainly needed to be able to conduct a you know, an hour-long talk show, which they had never had. Uh, and it's hard to believe, 1979, uh, in Baton Rouge, they didn't have that. And now, of course, there's like, I don't know, five voice talk radio shows going on simultaneously uh, down there at this time. So...
4: Tim, before we get into college football, um, I I like to do things a little bit different. You you know, I I like to sort of dig into the guests we're talking to uh, uh, metaphorically, Mm -hmm. of course, Uh, and and, and your background. And going back to the early days of ESPN and uh, on your on your Twitter page and it's at Tim Brando, you have a picture of you and John Saunders. Uh, rest in peace and did you did you uh did you guys have fun those being uh, the original uh uh, your original host of game day uh and also did you know tom meese i mean you guys were all young ambitious i'm Uh, guessing and and just uh and and and, you know i don't know if you were married or everyone was married but would you guys go out and have a good time
0: yeah it's actually that's a great question uh and, and I'm, I've delved into it a big time in my book research that I'm in the midst of doing, as you know, uh, I was the only, uh, married guy, uh, at the time, uh, everybody in the Northeast, as you know, lived together in the seventies. I mean, they, they just got together and <laughs> if you had a special mate, uh, you were, you were maybe living with a woman, but you weren't married to that woman, um, And that wasn't true for everyone, but, you know, in the South, you know, by God, you're going to get married. So uh, Terry and I had married in 1978. In fact, we're coming up on our 44th wedding anniversary, and as usual, I'll be out of town for it. I'll be uh, in uh, Los Angeles, in Pasadena, actually, for the the game between Utah and UCLA on Fox Saturday. But uh, we were married with one child. We had a three-year-old. Tiffany, at that time when we moved up there in December of '86, uh, John was, uh, John Saunders was um, engaged, about to be married, and the decision to get married had come when he was about to leave Baltimore and leave his soon to be wife, Rita, uh, uh, God, that's Spencer's wife, uh, Wanda, uh, Wanda Saunders. So, so they married. Terry was planning a shower for her, and uh, they hit it off. Tom Knees was about to get married and he, one of the first big parties we went to was at a VFW where we threw a bachelor party for him. It's <laughs> this is VFW in Bristol. Uh, and that was a story unto itself. Uh, Berman, Berman had just had his bachelor party and I think was about to get married, but hadn't actually had the wedding yet. So all that was going on with all of us. We were all in our, you know, late 20s, early 30s, and, yeah, we were all friends. And there were only 10 anchors at ESPN back then, 10 in the entire company. Uh, And so everybody knew everybody. And, yeah, we were all uh, uh, working hard and all felt like we were carving a special niche for ourselves. And, and and to some extent, the, the people that were running ESPN at that time understood that. And they had they had plans for us that sort of matched what we were doing. Uh, we had a blast. Uh, and winning the acceptance of people like uh, George Brand, who was an original, uh, uh, Tommy Mee's an original, Chris Berman an original, Bob Lee an original, was something that mattered a lot to, to John and myself. We were sort of the second wave of uh, broadcasters that came in, you know, of the next uh, generation, if you will, sort of the ones that were taking us from the mid-80s into the 90s. And um, it wasn't lost on either of us uh, that we needed uh, to, to have the support of the people that were already there. So uh, yeah, it was Timmy, a little bit I, like being oh, a, a locker room. No, it was like being a rookie in a locker room at an NFL franchise. You wanted to win acceptance, to this, get their affirmations.
4: So interesting to me because it, it sounds like a lot when I uh, was at Sports Illustrated and uh, in my 20s single and uh, just I would hang out with uh, the guys. We called it the bullpen. Right. The young reporters, uh, Josh yeah. Elliott, who went on to host Good Morning America, Jeff Perlman. Uh, Alan Shipnuck, uh, you know, guys who have gone on to do really great things in their careers, Seth Davis. And I don't... It, it wasn't like we were competitive with one another, but we knew we were competing with one another, right? And and we never really talked about it. we just go out and have fun, right? Play basketball. But was there a competition yeah. sort of in your mind that I need to be better than, than my buddy here? Because it, it's such a yeah. weird dynamic when when you are social friends as well as almost you're almost going against each other. For us, it was like, you know, space in the magazine.
0: No, it wasn't that way at all for us. I mean, and I guess maybe to some extent it was a sign of the times. Uh, You got to remember now, this was a burgeoning company at the time it was still owned by Getty oil. It was about to become owned by cap cities. And, and in fact, it was, I think in a lot of ways, my hire and John Saunders was based on a change in in management. Uh, Scotty Connell and Bill Fitz, who were network guys at NBC and CBS, were part of the Getty Oil regime and and both stayed with the company, but they were uh, being demoted, basically. And Steve Bornstein, who was a programming whiz out of Wisconsin uh, that was about John's age and my age was taking over and he sort of highlighted, I think, uh, us and, and we were his first hires. And so I think that to some extent, uh, we, John and I felt like, uh, regardless of who was going to be in charge and what opportunities might be afforded us that perhaps were not afforded to them by, by example, uh, and this, you'll, you'll understand this one quickly. Um, neither Chris Berman or Tom Meese had gotten to do play-by-play, had not gotten out of the studio, because the leaders at that time uh, thought if you were working in sports center and you were staffed, you had to say that was all you could do. They were not going to allow them to branch out and do games. A little bit like local television would do that, and that started in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's one of the reasons I had all these opportunities of, as a freelancer working in Baton Rouge to do all these different sports, because they would not... Allow their full timers to go out and do play-by-play. Well, I was the first guy signed there that had it in his contract that he was going to do 30 events, uh, a live events, whether it was basketball, football, or whatever. And they knew that, so I'm sure there was. In fact, I know because Tom and, and Chris and I both we, we talked about it. Uh, it was they were, you know, put off a little bit by that. So it was it was incumbent upon me to to win their friendship and win their respect. And and Saunders felt the same way. John did because he was being thrown into hosting roles, some of them that Tom wanted. Um, but but you know we went out of our way, I think, all of us, to give each other space. That was a happy time in our country. Uh, people were people were feeling good about where we were, and I think in a lot of ways, what goes on in the workplace mirrors the society we're in at the time. And that was a really good time, I think, in our country uh, in many, many ways. And so it it didn't affect us. I never felt like, uh, I think it it changed basically. It changed basically when the company got much, much larger and more and more people were being hired. And the NFL came in and Major League Baseball came in. In those days, I mean, college football was the biggest thing ESPN had. And I was involved in that. Uh, having hockey, which was another big deal with something Tommy Meese could, you know, flex his muscles in. But uh, Berman was doing all the NFL shows, but we didn't have the NFL. Okay. These were shows that he would do with Paul McGuire, whatever, you know, whoever they could get to just let the NFL know that even though we don't have it, we're covering it, you know, that kind of thing. So we all um promoted one another, I think in many respects and sports center was just out and out fun. We, we didn't compete with each other. I think one of the things that changed in our business uh, as it relates to that kind of attitude within about, you know, trying to outright the other guy. And and by the way, I think in sports television, there are some great writers and there are some that, that really don't even think about it. I was one of those with the latter. I, I didn't think about writing. I just I wanted to get to the highlights and do my thing. Uh, when Dan Patrick was hired, which was towards the end of my staying there, I, I noticed what good writing was. And I think when Oberman and Patrick got there, everyone wanted to compete with them. I think that's when it all changed.
4: And real quick, Tim, uh, what are the big uh, storylines, games you're looking at this weekend? Just, let's look forward here. I oh. uh, just have a, a, oh. a minute or two.
0: Yeah, Uh, look, it's the week of the Jayhawks. Uh, You know, the TCU Kansas game on FS1, even though it's not on Big Fox, it's not the quote-unquote big game game, it's the biggest game in college football this week nationally. It really is because of what they've done, the transformation they've made. And then there are so many other really big, important games all across the country. There's like a, I think more of a smorgasbord this week uh, large than at any other time that we've had in the season. It's going to be outstanding everywhere. South, Midwest, Far West, just a bunch of great games.
4: And one last thing. I, I, I always have one more question for you, don't I? Is uh, <laughs> Brian Harson still the coach at Auburn after uh, Georgia gives them a spanking on Saturday?
0: I mean, who's going to, who's in a position to get rid of him right now? Who has the power to do that? Does he yeah, think someone in question. the
8: university?
0: I don't think so. No, I. I mean, um, if Brian Harson was going to be let go mid-season, I think he, that would have already happened. So no, I. I think that uh, the bigger issue at Auburn is who's in charge, not who's the head football coach. Uh, we we all know who's in charge, but he's not. He's not a part of the university system, right? So no, I, I think he will be the coach. Until the bitter end. That's
4: my that's my thought, anyway. My thought. Tim, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for your friendship. Thanks for your insight. You've been a great guest for us for so long. Really appreciate you coming on. Have a great call. Enjoy uh, enjoy your trip out to uh, California. And uh, man, I even wanted to get into more travel stuff with you because uh, <laughs> to me travel travel in the last travel on airplanes in the last uh, 8 uh, months has been as bad as it's ever been and uh, that's I, why really, I, drive, I I know we we could spend why, a whole segment on that
9: that's why that's why I drive if it's
0: within 10 hours I drive
4: <laughs> <laughs> that's good yeah, my my uh, threshold used to be 6 but I think I need to expand it to 10 all right Tim Brando from Fox Sports <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you Tim All right, we're going to be right back uh, on the Jay Barker Show with Mick Gillespie. Thank you, Tim Brando.
10: 269. And shop on Instagram and Facebook. And be sure to call or go by their special store in downtown Homewood. The number is 800-448-1962. That's 800-448-1962. And just for listening, go to dot and order anything you want and type in Jay Barker for a special discount code. That's Jay Barker for a special discount code available only to our listeners for a limited time on The Jay Barker Show. Siebel's in downtown Homewood or online at dot
11: Cottage.com. letter O
4: welcome back to the Jay Barker radio show Jay's taken a few days Matt Coulter is on assignment I'm Lars Anderson, running the show from AVX in downtown Birmingham. And now we are joined with Mick Gillespie, Bama Insider. Mick, how are you doing? I know you're on the road. You're in D.C. D.C. is one of my favorite cities on the planet. Uh, I spent some time there uh, at American University. Did a, a semester at American and uh, my brother lives in the district and uh, absolutely love D.C. Recently took my seven-year-old there, and all he talks about now is one, and his name's Lincoln. He really enjoyed the Lincoln Memorial. But, uh, Mick, how are you doing today, and how is D.C.?
9: Well, next kid, you can name Kennedy, and uh, that's where we're going tonight, to the Kennedy Center to see Bob Weir and uh, the Wolf Brothers. Was playing with the National Symphony Orchestra, so uh, pretty awesome opportunities for a deadhead like myself. Uh, but yeah, D.C. is cool. You know, I grew up not too far from here. I just haven't been back in a long time, so as soon as I got off the plane, I it just kind of came right back to me. I forgot my roots for a second, but not too long, man. It, it's kind of good to be back on uh, familiar grounds, and you know, I went to the University of Maryland before I transferred to Alabama, so uh, I was about 10 miles ah, from
4: here. Man, I, I, and, yeah. yeah, I love, uh, I love college park. Uh, really cool, uh, section of, uh, you know, uh, I'm just right outside of of the district. What, what is your favorite monument? What is your, where's your favorite place to go? in dc i always even before i had a child uh i w- i always loved just to go and hang at the lincoln on the steps there where you get the great view of of the washington monument and all the way up to the u.s Capitol, especially sort of at at, at twilight when the the light is really cool and sort of bouncing off the the different structures but uh wh- where's your favorite place to go in dc
9: You know, it's funny, when I was at Maryland, I used to go to the top of the bleachers at the football stadium, Bird Stadium, and you could see the Washington Monument from there. And, you know, some nights, you know, like Sunday night when no one was around, you know, where you could get in and get out, I used to drive over and park and uh, go to the Jefferson or the Lincoln Memorial and hang out, walk around down there, uh, hang out with the vendors, you know, just kind of do the thing. Um, I love it, man. I mean, it's you know so much history in this area. And, um, and they've done such a nice job of keeping these up. I I really just, I had memories when I was driving by today, uh, just kind of remembering where I used to park my car. (laughs) So now there's like other stuff there, you know, but I, I'm I'm not one to pay for parking if I can help it. So, you know, I used to find a few uh, little spots I could slide it in and, uh, you know, and get out and walk around back, you know, back in the day, man, it's been a while, but Awesome
4: place. Awesome place. <laughs> um, man, you and I are the same person. When I was living in New York and uh, in New York City, and sometimes I would have a car for a week or a month. And I was just determined I am not paying for parking. I don't care if I have to get up in the middle of the night to move my car from one side of the street to the other, yeah. and I will drive. I'm like George Costanza. It's like you start on a, your inner circle, and then you move out, out further and out further looking for a spot to, uh, to, to, uh, to park. But um, Mick... Just your uh, takeaways from the uh, game on Saturday as we get closer to uh, the Texas A&M game this coming Saturday, but just looking back at at Arkansas, uh, what, uh, what what strikes you upon sort of further reflection about that game?
9: Well, I'll do uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, like uh, just, just do it that way. The good to me was... Alabama's resiliency, you know, uh, Jalen Milrow coming into the game, Jameer Gibbs running the football, the offensive line, opening up some big holes for those guys to uh, take advantage of. And when things got really tight in the fourth quarter, they made the plays to win. And that's always a good sign for a football team in a hostile environment. So that was the good, the bad to me is the penalties, you know, 10 more penalties. I don't think that's going to be an issue at home this week against Texas A&M. But when Alabama goes to Tennessee in two weeks, they're going to have to continue to clean that up. Um, You know, they had 15 against Texas there. They had 10 against Arkansas. And they're just going to have to keep getting better, work harder on uh, cleaning that up. And that's a discipline thing, you know. Um, You don't see that a lot with Nick Saban football teams. But, you know, I saw progress. I mean, it's five less penalties so maybe they can cut that in half by five uh, for the next game and, uh, you know, to me the ugly was Alabama's lack of readiness, the onside kick, the, uh, the, the the special teams punt that was, you know, like the, the, the snap that wasn't near the guy, those, those two as well, but with that said Kool-Aid McKinstry is electric on the punt returns and um, you know, so if you talk about the special teams you gotta bring him up, so uh, those those are my reflections, but I really like the the fact that when Bryce Young, the best player in the country, the Heisman Trophy winner, went down, uh, Alabama didn't blink. You know they came right back out and made the plays they needed to make. And at the end of the day, whether people like it or not, uh, they won the football game by more than 17, which was uh, Vegas's margin. And to me, that's pretty crazy when you look at how good Arkansas is, how tough they are at the line of scrimmage, and the fact that Alabama allowed one sack, if you want to call it that, to the team that it came into that game with more sacks than anyone else in the country. So all in all, I think going into this game, I really like where Alabama is. I'm just not sure what we're going to see offensively.
4: Yeah, uh, and let's get into that on the other side of this break. We're with uh, Mick Gillespie, uh, Bama Insider, and this is Jay Barker Radio Show. We'll be right back.
2: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. The best sports
6: talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9
2: app.
9: Embark on a journey of romance this season at Banana Republic Factory with 50% off everything. Discover elegant tailoring, timeless outerwear, fall fabrics, and beyond.
3: Starting at 20... However, sunny and warm this afternoon. The daytime high 80 degrees tonight. Clear with an overnight low of 48. The same for your Thursday sunshine with a high of 81. I am
7: meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 78 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
9: Welcome
4: back to the show. Mick Gillespie, Fam Insider, joining us. Mick, let's uh, get right to the game this weekend. Uh, Bryce Young is still uh, day-to-day, according to Nick Saban, and his, uh, that he shared that information on the teleconference this uh, morning. My guess and my gut tells me that, um, that Bryce probably won't start but could be available and uh, and and they would like to use Jalen to get through this game because you look at Alabama's schedule. You got number eight Tennessee coming up. You got uh, tw- number twenty three Mississippi State, number twenty five LSU, number nine Ole Miss. All await. What do you think? Uh, what what is your uh, who who do you think starts on Saturday? And also, what is your assessment of uh, Jalen Milrow and what you saw on Saturday? And how does the offense kind of change if Jalen Monroe is behind center uh, against the Razor, or I'm sorry, uh, against uh, um, A&M on Saturday?
9: Well, look, I don't think Bryce Young is going to play. I mean, I can, I, just a gut feeling, but Nick Saban seems so agitated in the press conference the other day, and I, I don't know. I mean, look, like, I've been covering the guy since he got to Alabama, and when he kind of gets like that, there's normally a reason why. I don't think he has a big-time po- poker face. But he's also doing the smart thing by, you know, kind of letting us believe and letting Texas a and believe that there's a chance that Bryce Young is going to play in this football game. I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, it, you know how it is. If you don't practice at Alabama, you're not going to play, and that includes Bryce Young. That's been his policy since, you know, he came over from the Miami Dolphins, started the process, and started laying down smackdowns on everybody in college football. Um, the good news for Alabama is that Jalen Milroe. Can uh, can can captain this team? It's a different looking team when he's in there. I'm curious to see, you know, how the, you know, how Alabama's um, pass game is going to look without him. If it's not Bryce Young, but you know, you, you look over to uh, what the Ravens are doing in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson and his ability to run. Uh, he changes the entire way that a game's played because you know, he can run, and he's as good of a running back as anybody. So I think that we'll probably see a lot of the fourth quarter Alabama against Arkansas with Jameer Gibbs and uh, Jalen Milrow. I think Alabama's going to play inspired football. I think Jimbo Fisher making those comments in the offseason um, wrote a check with his mouth that his team's not going to be able to cash. And I think that uh, at this game on Saturday – is going to be one of the uh, most electrifying environments that we've seen in Tuscaloosa in a long time. I think everybody's been ready for it. So, is going to run the show and I think he'll do a good
4: job. Mick, thanks so much for uh, joining the show on uh, short notice. Really appreciate it. Uh, We will see you and hear from you again soon and uh, we will talk more Alabama on the other side of this. This is Jay Barker Radio Show.
1: I don't care what circumstance you're faced with. What does it take to break your focus, to make you give in? You're tired or you don't feel like giving effort or finishing the play like you should. I'm not saying it's our goal to try to break you. It's just the way it is in football. It's gonna be difficult if you're getting yourself ready to play at a high level. And just cause you got beat on the last play, that can't affect the next play. That's breaking you. Your frustration is breaking you. What does it take to break you? We should help others. We should serve other people all the time. You cannot be a leader and affect other people if you're not willing to serve other people. Think of our lives as every day we should appreciate the opportunity that we have to accomplish and affect something. Earn this. Everybody made all these sacrifices for you to live. Go live a good life. Be a good father. Help other people. Accomplish something of significance. Make a difference. That would be my message to everybody here. Make a difference and help everybody's spirit
2: in a positive way. God bless you and roll tide
4: All right, welcome back in into hour two of the Jay Barker Radio Show. Jay is taking a few days off. Matt Coulter is on assignment, but he's going to join us for the second hour. And uh, Matt, I want to explain to you something here about. Uh, I don't think I don't. I doubt you've had a chance to see this because you've been on the road. But yesterday. Alabama released uh, some practice video and it shows yeah, receivers it. catching passes, right? Okay, so it shows receivers catching passes from an off camera passer. And this video has been dissected by Alabama fans like the Zapruder film. And for those of you who don't know the Zapruder film, I, th- I think actually Matt was there when this was shot. Uh, <laughs> that's a joke. Uh, it was that November was 22nd.
3: Hard. The
9: <laughs> Canada,
4: but, but the Zapruder amazing. film, okay, it it it's what uh it, it's the home movie that captures John F. Kennedy's motorcade passing through uh, uh, the plaza in Texas, and it ends up uh, capturing the president's assassination, and it's uh, considered to be the most uh, studied piece of film in history, and now we have our uh, Alabama Zapruder film. Because at the very end of it, I've seen several Alabama fans on social media say, if you pause it at the 23-second mark, you can actually see Bryce Young walking. So it's not Bryce Young throwing the ball. It's most likely, it could be Coach Saban, could be uh, Milro, although the, the passes were pretty accurate. Uh, it could be basically anybody. But uh, the, so it, it just fuels this uh, question of whether or not Bryce Young is going to play on Saturday, and uh, I, I know you have contacts at the university as, as as well as I do, and and boy, they they uh, keep injury information as if they're state secrets. But but every every coach does that. Every school, every NFL team, every professional team in, in any sport does that but uh here's the you know the million dollar question or 64 million dollar question is uh (laughs) will bryce young play on saturday your thoughts
3: uh first of all that could have been uh jordan battle couldn't it doesn't he wear number nine see i can throw a lot of stuff out uh I, I don't think it's
4: Jordan Battle. I, I don't know. You, yeah, yeah You've you looked tell. at it, too. I can tell. Uh, I, I don't bad, think it's Jordan Battle. It, it, it,
3: it. No, he's a lot thicker uh, than, than Bryce is. So I'm just throwing more food for thought out there. I'm pour, pouring more fuel on the fire here, Lars. No, I don't think Bryce Young is going to play. I think that he'll be dressed. And I think if the, if the situation in Brian Denny Saturday evening it gets dire, then you might see Bryce. But uh, I think for right now, they're going to rest him, rest his injury. And from what we saw in the game this past weekend against Arkansas, uh, Jalen Milrow is more than capable of taking oath. As far as the video is concerned, it was released by the University of Alabama, right? Yeah. I think it's clever. It was. I mean, you're just throwing it all out there. The Texas A&M, you still don't know. And we sent out video passes. So isn't that kind of where you lean?
4: <laughs> right. I, I thought it was sort of a, a, a tongue in cheek, uh little, I don't know, a little uh, jab at Texas A&M by throwing that video out because uh, but uh, however, I do think you can see that it's not Bryce Young throwing the ball because it does look like Bryce Young is walking at the 23 second mark and maybe uh, they could have had some better <laughs> editing. Uh <laughs> but I, I agree. I, I don't think we're gonna see Bryce Young on Saturday. Um, I think uh, you need to err on the side of caution. and uh, in speaking with uh, different uh, 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 friends who know a little bit about medicine, including some doctors, this injury could actually get worse if you go out there before it's healed. And um, and and yes, uh, Bryce Young did come back out at uh, at the halftime of the Arkansas game and and threw a little bit and and uh, Nick Saban said he just didn't have the same zip on the ball, but I mean, look, it, it, Bryce Young when he is on the field, no spot on the field is out of reach. I mean, he uh, it, in, in the short afternoon he had against Arkansas, he had passes of fifty three. 47 and 41 yards and he was spreading the field so wide it was like the Razorback defenders were in different area codes from each other because that's what Bryce can do. I mean Bryce's arm is 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 really a, a, a thing of beauty and you wouldn't expect it from someone who is uh, relatively uh, when you compare him uh, size wise to other quarterbacks he doesn't have that stature. But, man, he can sling it to any, any area. There's no throw. Uh, the biggest cliche that scouts will spout, uh, no throw he can't make. But that certainly is true with Bryce. So, all right, so let's assume then it's Jalen, Matt. Uh, how does the offense change with him in the lineup and without Bryce Young in the lineup?
3: Well, I think this would probably be true if Bryce were healthy and playing. But I think based on what we know about A&M's inability to stop the run, Alabama would be running the football even if nine were taking the snap. They gave up more rushing yardage to a team that doesn't rush. What they gave up 141 yards to the Pirates' rushing offense. That's the second highest they've ever had since he's joined the SEC. So I think you're going to see a steady diet of Jameer Gibbs. And again, I'll reiterate, and I'm not sure that's quarterback specific. But also one other note. Arkansas secondary is average at best. Texas A and M secondary is a totally different thing. They got some players back there now. And I think that just goes to homework to show you that I believe Alabama's gonna run it up. They're gonna run it in, they're gonna run it out. They'll they will throw deep, uh, even with Milro. But then another thing that A and M has to be aware of is that as good as Bryce Young is in every facet of the game, Milrow is a much better runner and again, I go back to my original point. I believe Alabama is going to run the ball uh, three snaps out of four is that too many Lars that too many I don't think so uh,
4: and, and this I mean in, in in the totality of the season, this could prove to be a very, very important game. And even if it's a blowout, because this could be the game where the offensive line finally kind of gels as a unit becomes more cohesive, begins to learn really how to work together. You know, you've you've heard the analogy of the offensive line is like your hand and all, all five, all five fingers have to work together. We're all, all five linemen including the tight end need to work together as one and yeah, the numbers look good from last week against Arkansas, but you know, we're, we're talking about three runs of 65 yards or more that inflated the stats um, and so I, I do think they're, they you know, and, and Nick Saban is just, this is, uh, his MO and he does, and every coach will tell you this, Hey, I want to put my player in the best position to succeed as possible. Well, Nick Saban actually does that. He will change the offense. He will change the emphasis. I should say of the offense to make sure that they do what Jalen does well. And they certainly won't ask him, Matt to do things that Bryce Young did? Because they're just not the same player.
3: Nope, not at all. I, I agree 100%, but I'm telling you, Alabama needs to bow up on this one because I think they've got a real test. I'm not going to look ahead. I'm not going to throw the rat poison out there, but I think Tennessee there is going to be a totally different animal. I do think it's important to point out, and I know Saban and the staff are very well aware of this, that Alabama needs to continue to cut down on the useless, uh, senseless, uh, penalties. And, and I think we're seeing a, a massive decline from what happened in Austin. But those are some of the little things, and you were mentioned how you think the offensive line could really kind of have a coming-out party here against A&M, and let's run the football down their throats for 300-plus yards. Uh, I think that's an area they want to improve in. They want to show it. And then there are other little bitty things, like I mentioned, penalties that I think Alabama's going to start climbing away from, too.
4: Yeah, and um, I, I think... Uh... Like you said, you got to look at the schedule. And uh, I I believe that they want Bryce Young to be 100% when Alabama next week goes to Knoxville, Tennessee to face number eight in the country, Tennessee, uh, which, by the way, Matt, averaging 48.5 points per game. And that really could be a shootout. And that could end up also being the hardest test of the regular season because uh, uh, look if, if both Alabama and Arkansas win this week for volunteer for the volunteer fans, that game is going to be in the third the third uh, October in or sorry the third October. Uh, the third Saturday in October that will be as big of game uh, in Knoxville as there's been in what 15 years. I mean, 20 years? Maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe I mean, even
3: more than that. Yeah, back to former yeah, days. And so,
4: yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get more into this. Uh, I'm Lars Anderson with Matt Coulter. This is Jay Barker Show. We'll be right back.
2: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. Okay, three more climbers, seven loggers. Plus- Ted's
10: sustainably sourced logging company is growing a new yeah. branch. What about truck driver contracts? Which means a new I'm HR sure. manager will be the All first hired.
3: However. Sunny and warm this afternoon. The daytime high 80 degrees. Tonight, clear with an overnight low of 48. More the same for your Thursday sunshine with a high of 81. I am meteorologist Bill Murray on tide one hundred point nine.
10: It's eighty degrees in Tuscaloosa.
4: Welcome back into the show. Lars Anderson with Matt Coulter. Jay is taking a few days off. Matt, let's uh, take a look at Georgia versus Auburn for a second here. Hey, can I ask you a Pretty real quick question? Please. Yeah. You bet. Go I
3: ahead. I to ask you a question. If A&M uh, were undefeated and had uh, looked uh, a lot more steady and stable, look, just looked better than they have so far, would you see Bryce then?
4: uh perhaps it would be one of those situations uh shoot me up uh doc uh and get get a get a get a painkiller in in the arm uh or a shot of cortisone uh something that of course very legal um but uh yeah i you know they just haven't uh A&M has been You you could argue they've been among the most disappointing teams in the country. Certainly, the most disappointing in the SEC to this point. Um, They don't really have identity. Uh, Jimbo is under fire, and we got to remember that we spent months and months and months of uh, eating up oxygen about (laughs) talking about this game. And suddenly, Matt, it, it doesn't have the national in- intrigue that it did at the start of the season because A and M has flamed out. I mean, they're they're three and two. They're they're hardly uh, tearing it up now. Of course, uh, they could change their whole fortune of their season around by coming into Brian Denny and winning on Saturday, but uh, I, I I just you know when a player. Nick Saban was careful to say in his uh, teleconference this morning that Bryce did some things at practice. So he technically was not out of practice. And we all know that uh, Nick Saban, he, he, he holds true to this principle. If you don't practice, you're not going to play. And that applies to his quarterbacks as well. As, as uh, Mick Gillespie mentioned last hour, so I, I think Bryce is doing some things, but I think the best th- thing he can do right now is probably rest that arm and just let it heal and, and, and do whatever you can to uh, facilitate and uh, accelerate the healing process. But, um, I, I yeah, if, if, uh, if, if, if A&M was undefeated and ranked number four in the country coming into this game, then there would be a lot more talk about Bryce playing. What What do you think? It, 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 let's say A and M is five and zero, and uh, instead of three and two, coming into Tuscaloosa and looking like world beaters, do Do you think uh, there's a, a more urgency to play Bryce?
3: Yeah, yeah, I would too. I think what I'd do is I would start Mill Road, but the lease would be a lot shorter than I think it's going to be on Saturday. And another thing, you, you're talking about how this game has been one circled on both teams' calendars since the, you know, the incident. That's just what I'll call it. But it's it's taken a lot of the luster out. There. There's there's not, the, you just mentioned it, there's not the national flash. There's not even the local talk even referring to that incident because A&M has just not, they've been a very, very average football team. So, uh, unfortunately, I, I think that has taken away from the national appeal uh, here in the Southeast and particularly in Alabama. It's still a very, very big big game and it's particularly big for texas a&m because this team ends up going three and three for the first half of the season man i gotta be thinking there's some people in uh college station scratching their heads about jimbo so that being said what do you want to talk about gonna happen in athens
4: well uh, I, I, now i want to stick on this for a second because
3: okay that's fine
4: you know we've we, we've talked about how yes nick saban can bring in talent better than any coach of his generation. And you just look at recruiting class rankings, right, for the last what, fourteen years, thirteen years. But there's also the developmental factor at Alabama. And and and, and, and they excel for whatever reason, probably because they're very good coaches, they excel at developing players they develop five stars into all Americans. They develop, you know, three or four stars into guys who are five-star caliber. There, There's consistent development. And if you're not developing, you're not going to last long in the program. Now, you look at Jimbo. I know that his recruiting classes in the last two years have been very high, and they're going to do good again with Arch Manning uh, being the cornerstone of their class of 2023 uh, and I'm still a little skeptical on Arch Banning just because of the level of competition he was playing. And and he that, that five-star was awarded as much for his last name as his production on the field. He's got immense talent. You can see that in, in his highlights, but anyone can make their highlights look good in high school. But Jimbo has not done, would you agree, Matt, has not done the job of developing players the, the the way he needs to if he wants to be competitive with the Alabamas of the SEC West.
3: Alabama develops their players right now. I haven't seen a lot of evidence that Jimbo and A&M are doing that. Um, and I know everybody's making a big deal about last year's class and then with Arch and all that stuff, the guys that he's got coming in, they're not playing yet. That's, that's not a factor except for the fact that they're getting the good players. I just don't think they're getting the, them to play as well. As they would be, perhaps at other seasons and and at other teams, and I, I think that you can point directly at Jimbo Fisher, um, and it just amazes me how you can go from one athletic program, one football program to another. I mean, at one time he at Florida State won that. Well, they won a the national championship. They were one of the best. Why didn't Lars? Why doesn't that carry from Tallahassee to College Station, especially when I think he's probably gotten better talent than they did at florida state that just uh, my mind is too feeble to to comprehend that i I just don't get it Uh, if you're good somewhere why aren't you good somewhere else
4: yeah that's a really great question and and you know we've talked about how jimbo's offense maybe needs to be revamped and that it's a little bit antiquated uh, in yep. that, uh, there, there's not a lot of quick strike stuff. It, 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 it takes, uh, the patterns are a little bit longer for receivers. And then that re- puts more stress on your offensive line. And uh, like Jimbo knows this better than anyone. And, uh, there've been a lot of suggestions by A&M, uh, reporters who I, I'm, I know, uh, that, um, that Jimbo needs to give up play calling and simply, you know focus on on the macro issues of the team and not not uh, the uh, you know, minute details of of what it takes to be a play caller and and the amount of time you have to put in by analyzing the defense you're about ready to see, what formation are they in? What is the down and distance? What do they most likely do in this situation, right? I mean, it requires a ton of study a ton of study in, in working with Bruce Arians on two different book projects, man, he would just tell me about like one situation, right. When it would be, let's say it's a a third and four at midfield and the defense does this, what the, and and, and you have to be ready as the coach to uh, react to what the defense has shown as their, their uh, trend or their uh, what they're likely to do. And then tell your quarterback, "Hey, you need to do this in reaction to this." But if they do this instead, they they march a safety up to the line of scrimmage. You got an audible to uh, this play, and it, it it just takes an extraordinary amount of time to be an offensive coordinator slash play caller. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the last season that Jimbo is calling plays. Uh, would Would you agree with that? That, that? that again, because this is the the major complaint. That I'm hearing from the A and M uh, reporters who are then who are basically relaying what they're hearing from the A and M fan base and the big the big money people in in Texas that support that program.
3: Well, it's not on the level of other coaches that ended up feeling miserable, but there have been administrations that said, "Hey, you change or else." I don't think Fisher's situation there at Texas A and M is to that level, but I think he needs to think about that. And I think he needs to think about. And you nailed it a minute ago. They've got the defenses and and the play calling and the situations are so complex that he, and, and the responsibilities of a head coach are in a different direction. And they are so frequent and many. Yeah, he needs to stop doing it. I don't know if it's the kind of thing, Lars. Do you think it's the kind of thing you can do in midseason? I personally don't.
4: No, no, no. You, you you can't do it. No, not in the middle of the season. But uh, I don't know if you if you saw uh, it, it was it was just going crazy on social media. It, it last week, I think it was last week, could have been two weeks ago, but I think it was last week where on the sideline. Jimbo looked like he had a thousand pieces of paper in in his hand. He looked like a, you know, a crazy librarian trying to, or, or, or I don't know, just somebody like trying to file a bunch of pieces of paper away. And he looked completely disheveled, disorganized. And if you're a player on the field and you you're looking to your coach on the sideline for guidance and he, he looks like, uh, You know somebody who is trying to solve a uh, uh, what the end of pi is right (laughs) three point one (laughs) four blank 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 right I mean that's what it looked like and uh, it 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 was a bad look for him and uh, also I I still think he's got some stuff in his personal life that haven't been resolved in Tallahassee and I uh, you know again just talking to people he's there there's. He's got a lot of stuff going on. No question about it. But, uh, all right. On the other side, Matt, we do have to get into Auburn, Georgia. And uh, I think around the nation, people are interested in this game as much as any this weekend. uh, Because Georgia has shown a little bit of weakness here last two weeks. And also... Will this be the final game for Brian Harson? or will he keep k- coaching? Uh, there's a lot to get into in this game, a lot of subplots that make this a very fascinating game, and we'll get into them on the other side. This is the Jay Barker Show. We'll be right back.
10: white glove type service, you'll love it. Again, it's behambroker.com. Sell your car through behambroker.com or 205-716-1269. built by Siebel's and made up with some of their best linens in town. Their staff can truly put your bed together like no other store. You can also follow Siebel's and shop on Instagram and Facebook. And be sure to call or go by their special store in downtown Homewood. The number is 800-448-1962. That's 800 448 one19 six two and just for listening go to seeblescottage dot and order anything you want and type in Jay Barker for a special discount code. That's Jay Barker for a special discount code available only to our listeners for a limited time on the Jay Barker Show. Siebels in downtown Homewood or online at Siebels dot
5: doesn't care
4: all right welcome back in jay barker radio show jay is taking a few days i'm lars anderson matt coulter joining us from the road um matt, i had a uh, michael casagrande from al.com visit my class yesterday actually i should say one of my students did uh and uh <laughs> michael was so funny because he asked the question during Texas A&M week last year that, uh, elicited the term rat poison from Nick Saban. And Michael was saying, Hey, as of right now on my tombstone, I'm known as rat poison. <laughs> so
3: I'm the guy. What, uh, I'm the guy.
4: what do you think? What do you think about, uh, coach Saban and, uh, Look, we have spent years sort of interpreting his uh, his mannerisms, his words, his tone of voice, everything you can possibly interpret of a person who is standing at a podium. And what we saw on Monday was an agitated Nick Saban. And that's the, the most agitated we've seen him in quite some time, I think you'd agree. What can we divine from that, what does it mean? Does it mean that he's actually really worried about this game? That he needs to get his 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 players' attention? Does it mean that he knew knows that Bryce Young is not going to play and that he he really everybody has to be hyper focused? Uh, what, what is it? What 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 can we get from that?
3: Uh, you know, we've been covering this guy for fifteen years, and he's been kind of throwing the rat poison out. He didn't throw it out before he talked to Casa Grande that day, but he had inferred it certainly in the past. That You don't need to read that stuff. Don't do that. But uh, I don't think there's a whole lot to this. I don't read him worried about Bryce. I don't read him worried about a and I think it's the same thing, the same M.O. he has used in the past. Hey, guys, listen up. It's the rat poison thing. Don't buy it. We, buy, we better play it a hundred percent. We better play even harder because Bryce isn't there. I think that's it, pretty plain and simple. Do you read more into it than that?
4: I don't. Uh, a, a previous guest did, uh, but I, I, I think um, you know. I, I think it's just, it was just time to sort of to do his classic. Uh, quarter of the way through the season, not rant, but uh, really just, you know, just, hey, it's time. This is go time, especially when you look at the upcoming schedule, as we've discussed. I mean, we are getting into the meat of the SEC West schedule, and, uh, and, you know, I, I guarantee you he says things in the locker room, right, and he basically repeats them to the media. So then, it yep. gets amplified, and so the the players hear it not once but twice, maybe three times. In again, in the media, because everything he everything Nick Saban does gets reported, it gets uh, dissected, parsed, analyzed to death. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I, I I think that that is sort of the dynamic that's going on. Is he just wants to, I do to think large, make sure as as his I team do. is focused. Yes.
3: I do think one thing that may kind of motivate him to accelerate right here is that Alabama's playing a lot of first-year guys, and then you consider the number of transfers that they've got going in. They don't know this side of Nick Saban. They need to see this side of Nick Saban. And that, now that I think about it a little bit more in depth, that may have fueled his fire as far as really coming out strong.
4: And he, he doesn't
3: need
4: to, you know, the, the fact Bryce that a- you know, and Will yeah, exactly, exactly. But the, but the fact that Alabama was up 28, zero at one point in the Arkansas game, and then it becomes 28, 23 and, uh, you know, thinking, oh my gosh, could this be the, the most epic collapse, uh, of the Saban era? And then Milrow, uh, makes that great run. Uh, Roger Hoover described that run by Milroe, by the way, as the play of the year so far for Alabama. And I think it's hard to dispute that because that changed the whole ebb and flow and feel of the Arkansas game. And I, I think we're going to see a, a game plan that uh, is ripped from the pages of uh, uh, Lane Kiffin when Lane Kiffin was uh, so successful, uh, with, uh, uh, different running quarterbacks. And also, we'll see, it'll, we'll also see, uh, a, a game plan that looks like one that was crafted for, uh, 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 Jalen Hurts, who, uh, is, gosh, probably the most improved player in the NFL this year. I never would have thought Jalen Hurts would be as good a pocket passer as he is proving to be this season. It just shows you how valuable good wide receivers are. But, um, you know, I, I think we talked about earlier, Matt, that that we both expect a heavy dose of running. But I still think I think Nick wants to see how how can Jalen Milrow perform when he knows he's the starter. He goes through a week getting first team reps, the majority of the reps, because look, you got to see what you have for next year. Correct? I mean, we, there's not a clear cut number one guy for next year. Uh, I, I know Ty Simpson is is right there and uh, we may see Ty Simpson play on Saturday who knows I think but, we will. Uh, do, do, do you think do you think there's some something to that that he wants he wants he, he wants to see what he really has in Milrow?
3: well, I think he saw a whole heck of a lot in Fayetteville. I mean that was a hostile environment uh what was it the red out I don't believe those things help anymore by the way. However, it does pump up the crowd a little bit, at least for the initial portion of the game. But when uh, Arkansas fought back to within five, uh, it it was on Mill And what did he do? Uh, For that particular instance, he turned into Bryce Young. He made a play, and he made a big-time play. And he made a play that I'm not sure anybody else on that field, except for maybe K.J. Jefferson, could make. He stepped up, and he did it. He did it on the road. Um, He did it at Arkansas, not an easy place to play. Now you kind of wonder, he gets back into the friendly confines of Bryant-Denny Stadium. Um, Is is that environment going to fire him up even more? He played the same? I don't know, but I think every snap and every game that he's playing in is just putting him a little bit ahead of all the others that are going to be on the roster, on the depth chart, at quarterback, And this game, uh, if he excels, and Alabama looks great offensively, particularly if he throws the ball well, then Milrose off and running to perhaps taking snaps in 23.
4: All right, if you'd like to ask a question to Matt or I, or just tell us how you feel about the show, you can hit Matt Coulter up on Twitter, at mattcoulter one oh one. That's M A T T C O U L T E R 101. And I am at Lars Anderson 71. And we will be back on the other side to discuss a little bit more Bama. And I want to get Matt's take on Auburn and Georgia and. Oh my gosh, does Auburn have a chance to pull off the upset based on how Georgia has played the last two weeks? We'll get into it on the other side. This is Jay Barker show.
2: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham.
6: It's the Tuscaloosa
10: Community Calendar, powered by Pepsi.
8: Join the Tuscaloosa, Alabama Lynx chapter for Lynx MP, a breast cancer awareness event on Thursday. Sunny and warm this afternoon.
3: Today's high 80 degrees. Tonight, clear with an overnight low of 48. More the same for your Thursday. Sunshine with a high of 81. I am meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 80 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
4: Final segment of the Jay Barker Radio Show. I'm Lars Anderson with Matt Coulter. And, Matt, tell us about the pregame show that you do for the Crimson Tide. Uh, Just uh, The the scene, the fun. I just heard nothing but great reviews about what you are doing uh, pregame for the Tide.
3: Well, there's a lot of working components when it comes to pulling something like this off. And first, you you just start with fans and the atmosphere and having a really, really good football team and all the people that are down on the Strip. And then we've got a great sports bar, 1225 sports bar, right there on the Strip. And then you throw D.C., who's a longtime morning radio guy, and then uh, Christian Harris, who's just fantastic on air. So much so that Alabama is using them on the sidelines now. Then, then you get across the Ovet like me, and you throw them in, in the front of the uh, the very uh, the sports bar there and let them go. Man, it's just working and chemistry and all that. And we air five minutes, five hours before kickoff, which is two hours leading up to the Alabama broadcast on the Crimson Tide Sports Network. It's a lot of fun. I think you, I don't know if it's this week or maybe later on in the season you're going to be by there, but I expect you to come by and grab a mic. Thanks for letting me promote it. It's on, by the way, Tide 100.9 and the Bear 95-3 over in
4: Tuscaloosa. So I'm really interested. It's uh, someone who has been in and around Tuscaloosa. You've lived in Tuscaloosa. How much has it changed in the last, let's just say, 20 years? How much has uh, uh, the campus changed? How much has the Strip changed, uh, just from your perspective?
3: Uh, In the last 20 years, it has changed a lot. But in the 20 years prior to that, I think it's really changed. Alabama and Tuscaloosa and that beautiful campus, uh, with all of it just spread out around uh, Denny Chimes, was was more like your old school uh, traditional campus. But now it's grown in every direction, and I don't mean just geographically. Uh, I mean in, in terms of the, the educational facilities and so forth. They're brought here's the best example, and we can move on because I know this one. When I got to the University of Alabama and entered the broadcasting school, the facilities were worse than the radio station that I was working at, at Decatur. And I'm not I'm not I'm not kidding at all. And but the professors were good. Now the knowledge part of it there was good. Now, Alabama has one of the top ten broadcast schools in the nation. So I think maybe that's the best barometer I can throw at you.
7: Yeah,
4: and, uh, of course, I'm biased because I am a uh, a faculty member at Alabama in the Department of Journalism and Creative Media. And um, I I think we have absolutely one of the best uh, departments, one of the best staffs in the country. Um, Okay, real quick, going to Georgia and Auburn. Look, Georgia. The last two weeks, thirty-nine twenty-two over Kent State. We all thought, ah, they're just—they weren't really interested in that game. Uh, they were unfocused, and they just looked like a team that was taking a break. Then last week, at Missouri, trailing almost the entire game, end up winning twenty-six twenty-two. Uh, the the pass rush for Georgia has all but disappeared. Uh, Their star D tackle Jalen Carter has a knee injury. They're turning the ball over. Stetson Bennett he put up some decent numbers, but uh, just he didn't look quite like hasn't looked quite like the same player uh, through these last two games as he did early in the season. And uh, I think Georgia's struggling a little bit to find that, that 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 player who can really stretch the field. And and defenses are locking down on Bowers. They're incredible tied in. So man, yeah. does Auburn does Auburn have a, a a puncher's chance here? If Robbie Ashford plays the game of his life, and I, I know the spread opened at something like thirty. I have no idea what it is now, but does Auburn have a puncher's chance on Saturday? CBS two thirty. Yeah, it,
3: it. But it is a hailmaker's chance. Uh, but, you know, a lot of us were saying this leading in the Iron Bowl last year, and look what happened. Uh, but I don't see that happening. I, I do. I will say this on George's behalf. I think they're now finally feeling the effects of losing 15 guys to the NFL. I really can't explain to you why it didn't catch up during the first four games of the season, but it didn't. Now they're suffering the effects. I think now Kirby, boy, that wake up in Columbia was huge. I don't think you're going to see a burp out
4: of georgia the rest of the year all right big what if question and this comes from uh one of our producers josh smith if georgia were to lose to auburn will auburn fans mute their calls for brian harson to be fired would it give brian harson a sense of job security and uh i think it was uh it was tim brando earlier in the show matt who said look if they were going to fire harson they already would have and so he's going to be there till the end of the season and then he raised a really good point who actually would fire harson <laughs> who's in charge not sure That's uh yeah yeah it, it, who knows but uh, so if if the unimaginable happens and it so often does in college football do you think that would give Harson actually another year? Would it uh, some suddenly endear him to the Auburn
3: faithful? If they came back and won out and played like a team that's really vastly improving, yes. But if he manages to pull off the Hail Mary and then turns around on the same team that we've seen the first part of this year, then he's gone. I don't really know if there's anything that could save him if he beats. Georgia and Alabama, maybe. But I think the handwriting's on the wall.
4: Yeah, I I agree. I don't think there's really anything he can do at this point. Um, It certainly looked like he lost. He's already lost uh, the majority of the players uh, because the players, look, they they read all of the things that we read, and uh, they see that uh, this is a, a coach who does not have the support of the administration Of really anyone in the athletic department He doesn't have uh, an AD who hired him That will sort of cover him uh, So I, I, I can't see Harson coming back And as we discussed yesterday, Matt uh, I really think Hugh Freeze makes a lot of sense uh, at, As the next coach of Auburn but uh, just just real quick, Matt. Um, just uh, we got about thirty seconds here. Prediction on uh, on the Alabama game uh, for Saturday.
3: Oh wow. I'm in midweek form. I don't know if I'm ready for that. I, I think Alabama wins. All right, no, like you
4: can, you can, uh, you can, you can okay. filibuster. It's no problem. You right. can filibuster. I, I uh, And I- I- I'll-, I'll do the same. Um, I-, I think Alabama's uh, going to be in pretty good shape. But uh, all right, thank you for listening to the Wednesday edition of the Jay Barker Show. We will see you in 22 hours. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks. Hi,
9: this is Wes McClooney, owner of the New Balance Birmingham store. Achieving your personal best often comes down to how you feel. And when it comes to the right shoes, nothing feels better than New Balance.